0: So uh, we, we were talking this morning about uh, the word interpolation and, and how that word interpolation is just simply means something that's been added, that's spurious, that's counterfeit, and thus being evil, and has been put into and mixed with that that's genuine. That's like mixing law works with grace. You can't, it's, and you can't mix anything with it. That's like with light. Light is, light is a, a, an element which refuses to be mixed with any other thing. And so when we get the light of the Scriptures, it teaches us what's genuine and what is spurious or counterfeit. Yeah. And so now Galatians 5 verse 6 says, For in Christ Jesus, that is position. That's our position. That is the place where the wicked one, in 1 John 5.18, touches us not. He can't touch us in our position. What does he go after? Is he experienced through what? Through lies or adding, interpolation, lies, to what is genuine about who we are in Christ. Or in other words, everything about us, being in Christ in opposition has to do with the fact that it's the person of Christ and all that he's accomplished to God and for us, and nothing's to be mixed with it. And boy, when we do, what do we do? Even when we, when truth has been made known to us, what do we do? We struggle, right? But all we're struggling with is. We're not struggling with who we are in him, which has to do, is there any struggle in Christ? And what he accomplished is not. And that's why it says in Galatians chapter 5, where again, again King James says, stand fast in the liberty where Christ has made us free. So really, and it's really saying for freedom's sake, for freedom's sake, Christ set us free. So be free. So be free, because if you don't, if this isn't your experience, okay, then you will be entangled with, a, with another yoke, right? And it's gonna be what, a yoke of what? Bondage, constant struggle, constant, me trying to interpret myself, me trying to interpret others, even other believers. What did they mean by this? Why are they saying this? What are they doing? doing. I don't like this, you know. <laughs> and uh, that's being very pointed to. What do they mean by that? You know? And so that becomes, it's, it's a yoke of bondage. Why? Because the enemy, in our experience, is interpolating something that's genuine, trying to mix itself with it. And that's where we get the word spurious. Spurious means it's counterfeit, it's evil. It's something has been interpolated with a true experience based upon a, an immovable position in Christ. And so when we can get entangled. What do we get entangled with? Are we yoked up to him? Can anything change the fact that we are his children? Nothing can change that fact. That's positional truth. But what about my experience? Yeah, what about my experience? Because if it's, if I'm not yoked up to Jesus, who's genuine, everything about him, his person and his work has to do with me. It's all genuine. And that means it's complete. It's finished. It's done. So when I get entangled, what do I get entangled with? Can I untangle myself out of my position? No. But what gets tangled up and makes me struggle? It's my experience. It's, it, it can be my experience because I leave the reality of the fact that, that I am yoked up to Christ. But when Jesus was teaching that in Matthew 11:28 28 to 30, when he was teaching that, he was saying, this is experienced, this is experienced with us. We are yoked up to him, it's unchangeable. His love has done that. And that's where, again, we get that Hebrew word, hashak, it's a love That is That literally, and and you can, those that are welders, you have two separate pieces. When you put them together and they're welded, it's stronger than than the two when they were separate. It's genuine. Nothing can break it. Nothing can change it. And so he loves us with a love that will not let us go. Even that goes into our relationships with each other. When I don't understand, like believers, like whenever we get together, maybe someone's tired, it could be someone's goofy, <laughs> that could be it. But when we, we could interpret that when they, re, when they respond or react towards us that way, that there's something about us that they find, is, and we could even think it's mocking, it's not. It could be that they're just going through it, you know. But that's what forgiveness is. Keeps me always in a safe place. It keeps me in the safe place, because that's the flow of His constant love. And if there's an interruption, if there's an interruption, then then there's this forgiveness that we have. Why? Because we're yoked up to Him. Are we in our experience? And and so. Instead of a yoke of bondage, because experientially, we're going we're gonna to switch one yoke for the other. And you know what a yoke means, right? If it's a yoke of bondage, that means not in my position, because the enemy can't touch it, but he's restraining me. He's restraining me with this yoke of what? Bondage. And it's really not what someone says to me that offends me or I have a problem with Or I might even discuss with someone that there's this thing I don't like about this person. I don't know why they're doing this particular thing. Instead of just what? Instant love when someone offends you is what? Instant, should be instant forgiveness. Because does that keep me in a proper place in my experience of freedom? That's right. I may think I'm putting the other person in, in, in prison, but really I'm the one who keeps me in prison. And that's what makes forgiveness so very necessary in our relationships. And, and honestly, and not to, and this is for all of us, not to see one another after the flesh. Does that have to be dealt with us? Yes, it does. That's the preaching of the word. But is that how we see the person? In other words, is that, what motivates us is the irritation and anger of their flesh? Because that would be equal to, uh, to what? It would be equal to condemnation. I'm condemning them. But that would just show me that I'm, under, I'm not under the yoke of Christ in my experience. I'm in a yoke of bondage. And because I am, I'm going to put that person in bondage. Thank God we're not on probation even when we fail. Oh, you failed. You got to be on probation now. You have to do certain things. Oh boy, that is that is honestly that's lordship salvation, right? You through your works have to prove that He's your Savior and your Lord by you serving Him under legalism in the flesh. Thank God we're not to know any. Anyway, when should we not know one another after the flesh? In 2 Corinthians five sixteen. When should we? Should we ever? I'll tell you the place that any of us ever know that is when we have a wrong yoke on us. That's how we're going to see each other. But is that how God sees us? We are all His little what? His little technos. That's who we are. You know, honestly, we may grow up, and we do. We may. This word, this spiritual maturity. Boy, did we ever hear that one for the longest time. Them, they're spiritually mature, you're not. <laughs> wow, so who made you this and then not that? It certainly wasn't Christ, it was the flesh. Because no matter how spiritually mature you are and you grow in grace, you will always, and I will always be in that sense, his little technius. now he wants us to grow up in Christ And that's the Greek word, weos, it's spelled H-U-I-O-S. We grow up into him in Ephesians 4.15. But as we grow up into him, I mean, you're not going to be your child's parent. Your parents are 80. You happen to be 55 or something. You're still not their child in that sense. But just think of the relationship and the growth. And that's what, Paul, that's what the Holy Spirit is saying, too. And I don't, even, I don't even think I like this, the Pauline epistles. No, they are the Christ-life epistles given to a man, Paul, who was a special messenger. That's, that's the way. But not to exclude him or any of us, you know. So stay in the freedom. Wherein the reality is Christ has set you free from everything. You mean when that person offended me, uh, I'm free from that? Yeah, and the proof is love flowing in you, you forgive him instantly. (laughs) I don't know, when we confess something to him, to Christ, how how quick does he forgive us? No, Mm -mm. Mm -mm. you gotta wait, you're on probation. You gotta show me fruit. (laughs) Well, where does the fruit come from? comes from him. So stand and keep staying in that, because behold, I, Paul, now he's being very personal. He says, I can tell you some things. Being a former legalist and still could be in the flesh that's in me, but I'm not of it. Behold, I, Paul, saying to you that if you want to be circumcised, you want to put yourself back under the law and fleshly works and legalism, covenant theology, lordship, salvation, guess what? Christ will be, will be what? Profit you, what? No thing, there's nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. <laughs> God. The whole law. I remember uh, studying that years ago and it was in Exodus 23 uh, to 17. The Hebrews call it the 10 letters, the 10 words, the 10 laws. Yeah. But then they found out as they studied more, and, you know, there's 613 statutes and ordinances contained in those 10. Have fun. You break one, you you break the whole thing, right? In James 2, verse 10, you, you break the whole thing, but thank God for mercy. And that's 2.13. His mercy rejoices against what? isn't that his love isn't that grace his unconditional love so if that's if that's towards me as a reality in my position and it's in my experience through submission and through teaching and through growth of grace then how should I see each other how should I see another again you know and again too Psalm 119 165 great peace have they that love your word for us and what nothing will cause you to stumble nothing will what offend you. If you and I were offended, it was just simply an area. We may think that what was happening towards us, maybe the person's ignorant. Maybe they meant it on purpose. They they weren't being kind. Maybe they were just going through it. I don't know. But it offended me. Why would God allow that? Was it their offense or was it the thing that brought on in me that could be offended? It was just showing me an area where I wasn't yoked up to him. And what instantly does away with it? Come on, instant. Forgive, literally. Just forgive. Just forgive. And experience the flow of his love in you. Because when we don't forgive each other, what are we functioning in? Who are we saying no to? Christ who's in us, literally. That's what we're saying. No. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. No, not going to do it. Not going to do it. They offended me. No, no. No, I don't know if I can trust that person anymore. No, it's you can't trust God who forgave them. (laughs) And by the way, you're trusting yourself more than God when you don't forgive. And you're making yourself the issue and not Christ. Because if you do, you have what? Great, what? Peace. Who is our peace in Ephesians 2.14? Christ. Has he settled everything? How about individually? How about individually? Can we honestly say, all of us, that he has settled everything about us? Can we honestly say that? Everything, past, present, and future, has he? Well, 2 Corinthians 1, nine and 10 make that crystal clear, he has. And and that's why it says in Hebrews 13, eight, Jesus Christ the same, when? Yesterday, my past, what did he do with that? Today, and what? forever does it have anything to do with my flesh no so for I testify in Galatians 5 verse three I testify again to every man that is that's going to be circumcised if you if you if you, if you if that's what you think you think you have to do something then then what then you're a debtor to do the whole law because what you're saying is what you're saying is is Christ didn't fulfill it I have to do it Wow, oh, God forgive. God, don't let us go there, please, Lord. Christ has become of what? No effect. Now, we know positional truth. We can, we can profess it, but until it's experiential, can we give a proper confession? There's a difference between a profession and a confession. A confession is an experiential reality. That even goes into 1 John 1, nine. if we confess our sins. And the, and the word confess there is homo legeo, and it literally means we name and cite the same things that God and Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit is confessing about what they did concerning us. And we're saying yes. Christ has become of no effect experientially unto you, whosoever of you are what, who think you need need to justify yourself about what someone said or did to you, and you didn't like it. (laughs) Okay, how about in the most simple sense? Did Christ deal with all of our dislikes? Or did he leave that undone for us to deal with? I don't like what that person did. I don't like how they said that. I don't know why they're doing this. I can't figure it out. But all I know is I don't what? Like it. I can't understand it. They seem to be this way on the one hand and then all of a sudden this and I can't figure that out. Well, who figured it out? Who dealt with it? When are we not his little children? Seriously, when can we not be weak and frail and fragile and feeble? I mean, we can be. We can be. But whosoever you think that you are cleared by all guilt and condemnation, that means the flesh, I think I have some rights now. They don't have a right to offend me. Well, excuse me great peace if they love your word and nothing will cause them to stumble or be offended. So if I'm offended okay, is that, is that my position now in my experience if I'm offended? Is that a right experience? Do I give more credence to what they said and did more than who I am and what Christ said? Gosh. If you're going to be justified, if you think you're going to be, you and I or any of us in the flesh, think that you can be cleared of all guilt and condemnation by living in the flesh and comparing yourself to someone else, look what it says. You are fallen from grace. Can we fall from our position? No. But where does that happen? It's in our experience. In our experience. You know, even to be faithful. Gosh, come on. I mean, to to not be faithful, when we hear the word preached in specific areas, in specific areas, we know to be obedient. But you know, the enemy will give us a thousand and one excuses why we don't have to be obedient. You know, you can't do this because of this. Well, you know that you should do this, but I can't, so I put it off and I'm not gonna do it. Wow. Well, who are we putting off? Are we putting off Christ? We can't in our position, but who are we truthfully? We're putting off Christ in our experience, the reality of who we are in him. And who are we opposing? When I know to do good, I don't care what it is, in every single area, all of us, when I know to do good in James 4.17 and don't do it, what is it? It's sin. It's legalism. It's fleshly rights and works. No. Some have taught, I've taught certain things. Honestly, I, and you know what I mean when I say I taught them. (laughs) I was taught and still being taught. I'm going to make that crystal clear. About certain things that are very scriptural and prove it by the scriptures. And others still say, well, I don't agree with that. Well, Well, you don't agree with the genuine, and when you don't through obedience, you're gonna mix yourself with it, just constantly. I know I should do this, I know I'm supposed to do this, but I'm not gonna do it. But when it comes to me, I'm not gonna hold back anything. I'm gonna take care of me, because I don't agree with the scriptures in this area. Well, can two walk together except they be agreed? Can two walk together except they have one mind? Can they? Nope. You'll never be separated, and I will never be from my, my position in Christ, but how about my experience? Boy, does that go into things uh, for all of us, right? You have fallen from grace. That's experiential. For though, for we, through the Spirit, right? Through the Holy Spirit, wait for the hope, which is guarantee of righteousness by faith. Now, look what it says. For in Christ Jesus, here's what it says, neither circumcision avails anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which works by love. This is what this is saying. It is this. For in Christ Jesus, it's not a matter of what I do or what I don't do, but it is what? It is faith, dependence, submission, humility, that works by me being loved and not resisting it. What it, When we're not obedient to the, to the simplest thing and continually obedient. You know, the one thing about our flesh, and I tell you, one thing I found out about mine and I'm still learning is, I won't hold back anything from me. I won't, but for God, oh boy. I'll hold back things and still just skate like everything's okay. But we're learning, right? Is that how he sees us? He's get, he wants to get us to a place of how he sees us. But how's he going to do that if we don't submit and obey and receive his word? How can he, How can we have a proper experience, right? What does a little leaven do? Boy, we can't hear it now. What does a little leaven do? It affects the whole lump. It affects my whole fellowship. I live in one area that known Known disobedience. I live in it, what does it do? It affects my whole what? What is leaven in the Bible? Can God have fellowship when I live in one area of sin? Can I be 1% in the flesh and 99% in the spirit? Can't be. Why is it then? Why don't I experience blessing? Why? What is it that I'm struggling? Well, in that, well, it could be ignorance. Or it could be rebellion. But is that how God sees us? It's not. But will he deal with those areas? Gosh, yes. Yes, he will. For in Christ Jesus, in other words, it's being in Christ experientially. It's not even an issue of what I do or what I don't do. It's just his love through my faith, obedience, and submission to him is constantly loving me and keeping me free of everything free of just hoarding everything to the fleshly self-life. Boy, we are, you know, we can hoard, can't we? You know, that one little area, that keeps me open to the enemy. And boy, he'll keep us hoarding to ourselves and not giving ourselves over to Christ. And boy, when we don't, what do we experience? Right? Look what it says in verse, verse 7. You did run well. In other words, there were all the, you were obeying until you heard this one thing. But to give it up, for any of us, I would have to give up the self-life. Right? I would have to give it up. Right? Right? You did run well. That's obedience. Who did hinder you that you should not obey what? If I don't obey the truth and submit to it, what do I function in experientially? A lie. If I do, am I yoked up experientially to the father of all lies in John 8, verse 44? I am. I am. Can he touch my position? Can't do it. Look, this persuasion, this persuasion comes not of him that calls you. What is God constantly calling us to? Why does he want us to be obedient constantly and submit our will? Because what do we experience? Freedom. And not bondage. Trade a yoke. Experientially, that's what we're doing. He's cutting off one yoke. (laughs) Cutting the flesh. Because if the flesh is cut in that area, in any of us, can there be a yoke of bondage that the enemy could put on us? Can't. He can't do it and he and God won't allow it he won't allow it so again as we just wrap this up this morning interpolations and when we understand that again for instance again as I was saying, an interpolation okay is even in certain translations is when the translator couldn't think of something better because he was relying on himself okay or for the lack of something better He just put in what he thought. And interpolation means it's spurious, it's not genuine, it's counterfeit, and you insert it into the genuine. In other words, you mix something of a lie with the truth that Christ is. Even in translations, because we're weak and we're vulnerable. So, again, just as we close, in 1 John 2, 1, we said it, and I I love this again, my little children, again, that's that's the Greek word, technia, and we're all these little, no matter where we are in our spiritual growth and spiritual maturity through grace and not works, through submission, not anything to do with works, we experience the fact that we are his. Thank God, and we're not our own. That's where the struggles come from. We think we have a right for ourselves. We think we have a right to hoard for ourselves and not give over constantly and just constantly blowing it off. Yeah, but then there's not constant freedom. And it doesn't matter how we try to gain that freedom through other things, we just won't be free inside. But are we positionally? That's God's view. Can I have a proper view apart from faith? Complete obedience in areas, specific areas of growth. Yeah, I can't, but I can have that freedom that's mine. So, 1 John 2.1, my little children, see that you sin not. You don't have to, but if you do, we have an advocate. He is Jesus Christ. Watch what it says, the righteous. He is the righteous. We don't have any, uh, you know, outside of Him, but we're in Him. So reality is, He is our righteousness. That's it. It's settled. We have a right standing before God Almighty, in His Son, as His Son stands before Him with us in Him. Phew. That means He is not just Savior, Deliverer. He is Lord. Not through fleshly works, but the fact that he is sovereign and me and him and him and me is above everything. Every offense, every rejection, everything. And he's still above every area of disobedience. But he's waiting to be gracious in our experience. So, my little children, see that you sin not, but if any man sin, we have an advocate. We, those that are in Christ, no one else. Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is... Is he the propitiation for our sin? Is he? Has he satisfied God of the sin issue? And has he, when I received him, be, be, become my substitute who dealt with all my personal sins? Yes. And he is, the, he is, what? Um, my little children, see that you sin not. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And here's the interpolation. You'll see it italicized. And not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Never scripturally, ever did Jesus Christ pay for the sins of unbelievers, one who never received him, ever. <laughs> it's an interpolation. He only, that's why he said in John 17, verse 9, I pray not for the world. That means all the unsaved. He's not praying for them. He prays for us, who are his. And again, he made it potential by propitiating the Father and dealing with the sin question, so that whosoever would receive him as a substitute, because to be reconciled, to be reconciled to God the Father, had, did there have to be a substitute? And there had to be. And that was Christ. You must receive him. Again, that goes into the types. And we're going to close it. But that goes into the types in Leviticus 1 and verse 4. goes into the type of Leviticus 16, 1 through 7. It just does. So it's potential. Because, and that's why, you know, we have Christ in us in 2 Corinthians 5, 19. We are his ambassadors. We can be his ones that say, hey, Listen. Christ did deal with the whole sin question and he's made it available for you to pay for you to receive him as your substitute and deal with your sins. Does he force that on anybody apart from their will like the false Calvinist teaching it does? Absolutely not. Or the other side is Arminium, Joseph Arminius and so forth and <laughs> And John Calvin and mixing and these interpolations—one gets it right in one area, wrong in the other, and vice versa. Oh, and boy, do we need to know those things so we have a proper experience. But again, he's made a potential. God was in them. God, they were in it. Look at and and again, here is Second Corinthians five, and it really brings it out beautifully in in the scriptures. And Second Corinthians five. This has to do, by the way, with how we treat each other. There's no question about it. This has to do with how we treat each other. Because how I treat you is based upon my experience and a true identity. That's why, <laughs> if I have great peace, can anything offend me? If Christ is my present peace, tell me what can offend me? Well, I didn't like the way they were, the behavior. Well, you know, Christ dealt with that. (laughs) So be free and live in the forgiveness that's in you and Christ for them and be free. So in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15, in in that he died for all. Did he die for all? Yes, did all receive that fact? No. That they... Which live, those are the ones that did receive him, listen, should not henceforth live unto themselves. Stop hoarding things for yourself and start being obedient. God, Unto themselves, but separated unto, unto him which died for them and rose again. The, wherefore, from this point on, know we what? No man in Christ after what? After. The flesh. I didn't like the. I didn't like the way they it. Just why are they doing this thing? Why are they doing? Gosh, I don't understand that thing. God, it's so irritating. Well, that's the area that can be touched. That's the self life. And so, wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh, right? We don't know them after the flesh. You know, we ever hear that it takes one to know one. Yeah yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, even in that sense yet henceforth now know we him no more okay, all the songs that we sing about him are in his elevated position as the very God-man above everything in his lordship and sovereignty therefore if any man be in Christ he's what? a new creature well, I'm going to treat him after the old well, the only way you can do that is got to be in the old, right? Old things are in the process of being passed away. No, it's past tense. Old all, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. And all things, what? Are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Christ Jesus and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So in other words, is there constant forgiveness that we should have between, especially in the body of Christ? Should there be hesitation or doubt Or suspicion. (laughs) Is there any suspicion in love? You imagine if God treated us the way we treat ourselves and others, we become suspicious, and we think that well, you know what? From now on, I just can't trust this person. No, you don't trust Christ for that person. That's what it is, and you make yourself the issue and not Christ. And I would do it now. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself. And in that reconciliation, did he not only deal with all my sins, but all the sins of others that would affect me negatively. (laughs) It's so awesome. The Lord was so thankful for this. And has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. No, I have a ministry of setting people right that offended me as a Christian. That's my right. Uh, No, you're dead in self. What rights does a dead man have, a dead woman have? I have a right to be offended. I have a right to be suspicious. I have a right not to trust them. I have a right to determine what I believe their conduct is. Because after all, I'm going to forget all the other things. (laughs) And focus on this one little thing here. And you know, that'll disrupt my whole world. (laughs) You know what that world is called, the world of self. All things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Christ Jesus. What does that mean? For the believer that's in Christ, all things have to do with the fact that you are reconciled. I don't they're negative or not. They don't have an effect on you. Don't allow the enemy to interpolate something that is not of Christ's his person and his work that he accomplished for you as an individual. It's genuine. Don't mix anything with it. Oh, that's for every one of us. Don't mix a bad image with a genuine image about who you are in Christ. He's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Someone offended me. Hey, listen, you know, hey, you know, I know you didn't mean it. I, I love you, you know, and that's fine. Boom. <laughs> it's so easy, isn't it? His yoke is easy in Matthew 11, 28 to 30. But we need to come unto him. How quickly should we? When we have a yoke of bondage experientially, how quickly should we come to him? Who never lets us go? All things are of God who has, past tense, reconciled us to himself by Christ Jesus, and he's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Everything's finished and done. I'm free. To wit, to understand that God was in Christ, reconciling the world of unsaved potential, forcing himself, no, unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. But when they don't receive him as a substitute, are they still in their sins in John 8, 21 and 24? Yes. Because why is there even a great white throne judgment? What is there to judge? In Revelations 20, 10 to 15, what's there to judge? Some would say, well, all the sins were paid for, but, but the one sin that was unforgivable, how does that even make any sense, was that they didn't receive Christ. Well, isn't that sin? So what are, they, what are their works? When it says their works, what are their works? What do we work in the flesh outside of Christ? Sins are ours dealt with of others that are around you, that are in the body of Christ, are theirs too. What keeps that love flowing? Constantly, forgiveness. Try that in marriage. The most intimate relationship in type, Christ at the church, Eve taken out of Adam. The type of Christ we're taken. How's that work without forgiveness? You put each other on probation? huh? Try that one. Well, who's really on probation? We have so much to learn. I, I tell you, listen. Here's what it says: as we, as we're at seven fifty-five. Here's what it says: to wit, that God was in Christ. Now is Christ in us? Yeah. Reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing. Look, putting to their account their trespasses unto them? When we don't forgive others, what are we doing? We're imputing and making them responsible for how they offended us. And we're saying Christ is not enough. Look at verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for who? For the flesh. For who we are outside of him. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you, we beseech you, in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. What a ministry we have. What what an image that we have. What a what freedom that we have in him to be so free is amazing to be so free in a proper image is so incredible what a ministry he's given to us he's taken care of every single thing about us not one thing's left undone by the way he did way more than fulfill the law romans 10 4 matthew 5 17 and 18 Way more. He went way above it. You know why? Because he's sovereign Lord above all. And listen, he's in us. And we're in him. And we are positionally above everything. And he is Lord of us. No one else, not the flesh, not our own thoughts, not legalism, not works. He is Lord over us. And Father, we thank you for these truths. Thank you so much, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.